<laughs> What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Rook and the Kid podcast. I'm your host, the Rook, and I'm joined by the medical guy. Um, and happy new year to you guys. This is the medical guy's first appearance in 2024. So we want to welcome him on as well. Always happy for his contribution. We'll be bringing back the injury analysis as well as the DB list exclusive, um, which has been one of our favorites as of late because there's been a lot of I have a feeling of who could be on the DB list this week, <laughs> um, but you never know. You never know. Um, but yeah, like if you're a first time listener or if you've been here the whole time, just remember to you know like, follow, subscribe, you know, download our episodes, share it with your friends. Um, if you find something you know informational or something you didn't know, you know, you enjoyed it, make sure to leave a comment in the Q and A or the polls put down below, and especially on Spotify, YouTube, and Apple Podcasts where you can find us. And then also, if you want to follow us on social media. You'll see us at track.pod on Instagram and uh, the track pod on Twitter. And those are our primary social media outlets. But this is track 30, the NFC East champions. The Dallas Cowboys have won the NFC East at 12 and five and will secure the number two seed um, versus the Packers, which we will cover all of the NFC and AFC wildcard games, which is popcorn, as I predicted. <laughs> You know, we'll have the Shadow of the Script segment. We're going to be covering the national championship for college football, um, Michigan versus Washington. Although it was boring, we are still going to cover it. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, that, we'll have our track ranking, and that'll wrap up our podcast today. But without further ado, per usual, we're going to start with the Shadow of the Script. And let me share my screen right here. If you're watching, tune in. If you're listening, listen. So, but this is Richard Sherman talking about how early in the season, earlier in the season, that CD Lamb was not a bona fide number one wide receiver in the NFL. So let's take a listen here. If if you think he's a bona fide, uh, hey, line about there one, then yeah, that's that's overrated because and I do. There there are number yeah. ones in the league. So you're saying he's in a conversation with Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, Jamar Chase, Stephon Diggs, AJ Brown, Cooper Cup, Debo Samuel, Terry McLaurin, and Mike Evans. You're yes, saying he's in that yes, conversation. Yes, yes, then, in the conversation. Then, then you're not what C D Yeah, that that's what's crazy to me is then he mentioned the name uh, Terry McLaurin, which I was when I first listened to that in the first place, I was like, damn, you 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 got to be kidding me. I mean, we've kind of been through this, but um, CD Lamb did kind of, you know, we compare CD Lamb and AJ Brown a lot of times very, very closely. And we go, who's better? I don't know. He's more physical. He's faster. He's better after another catch. You can argue whatever you want. Um, but they kind of had a season that flip flopped. Um, A.J. Brown started and had that streak of 125-plus yards or whatever it was, five games in a row, and then he just kind of teetered off as well as the team. And then Dallas, up to week five, into the 49ers game, where all things blew to hell. We almost disrupted this entire podcast. <laughs> um, and C.D. Lamb had a better season than most wide receiver ones would have in 18 weeks um, with over 100 receptions, over 1,000 yards after week, since week six. Uh, which is very, very impressive. And he yeah. set many records um, for the franchise. Uh, he surpassed Tyreek Hill as, as the number one wide receiver in fantasy football. I think he, without a doubt, um, really shattered the script on that one. And was, I don't really know why he made that basis for his for his claim. Um, I guess, again, the national media, mainstream media agenda, 
you know, this is what we do. We shatter it. But I'd like to hear your thoughts. And then once you're once you're finished with yours, I've got a couple. I think I got a couple stats from CD Lamb that I was going to give out. Yeah. First off, let's give a big shout out to the kid. Um, he called this uh, what six months ago or something like that, saying that CD yeah, Lamb uh, could be you know a sneaky dark horse uh, wide receiver fantasy one. And I mean, he called it. I mean, he was wide receiver fantasy one or a wide receiver one in fantasy. And then he took a step further and I mean, he was the number one wide receiver in uh, the NFL this year. And like you said, it, it's impressive to see what he did from week six on. Um, and it's impressive not only because of how great his stats were, but he could easily, he easily played himself into offensive player of the year uh, yeah. and VP talks and stuff like that with whatever, almost 1900 total yards, uh, 14 touchdowns. What did he go? Nine games in a row with a TD. Sorry if I'm taking for all your stats. Uh, yeah. But, you know, it's just impressive that he's done all that. And, you know, the shattered script to make that claim one after week five, two after two years in a row of over a thousand yards, one year playing behind uh, Amari Cooper. And then the year after that, playing with just him at wide receiver, basically, because, you know, the talks we had last year about how there was essentially one weapon on the team last year. And then to do this, uh, I mean, I think it was it's kind of nuts to say, like, hey, he's not a bona fide one and not to, you know, shit on Terry McLaurin because he's definitely a wide receiver one. But to right. say, like, oh, he's not as good as him when he's put up similar stats to him, I thought that was a little that was a little interesting of a take, but but I agree with you. It's just impressive to see uh, whatever it is through uh, ten weeks or eleven weeks of him putting up, you know, a, a well put together season in just that little bit of time. So uh, let's hear let's hear your stats and see what else you have to say on it. Yeah, uh, I was gonna read some of the screenshots that you know that Hunter sent me, but I was looking through my bookmarks. And they are non-existent. So, <laughs> but it was. Let me see if it's in this profile. It's probably in here. Yeah, it's probably because of that tweet you put out about uh, agreeing with Aaron Rodgers. So they just uh, <laughs> they just deleted everything. No shit. But uh, yeah. So oh, the screenshots that Hunter sent me. This is from May. This is in a this is in a uh, a group chat that we have. Um, so anyway, he's sitting there talking. I'm in it with a couple other people. And he says, just said this in the Dallas chat. I'm in. I think CD lamb will be the number one wide receiver this year. This is in May of last year. Uh, not overall, but this year, you know, people were disagreeing with him, calling it crazy. And he said, I'm talking about for the league. What was he last year? He was four to six, you know, they're discussing it, blah, blah, blah. Then the next time he says, he says, just because you are the best wide receiver one year, doesn't mean you're the best in the league which is, you know, kind of what he's saying, you know, read the language of what he's saying. He's yeah. saying this season he is going to be the number one wide receiver in fantasy, in yards, and, you know, wherever he ranks. And But he doesn't mean he's the best in the entire NFL, but he's a bona fide wide receiver one. And the guy asks, so you're saying C.D. Lamb will finish wide receiver one next season? Yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and then he just goes on to say kind of the C. He says, I can see 1,600 yards in this yeah. show. And what did he finish with over 1600? And that was that's a hell of a take, yeah, from, from the kid there. So, absolute props there. Um, the stats that I had, you know, it, it was it was talking about 
how CD Lamb basically ranked first in everything. Yeah. I mean, even if I didn't show you, you know, what they were exactly or where they came from, it was, I remember it was from CBS Sports or Yahoo Sports, one of the two, and it was just first in all categories. Yeah. Um, and I can share it maybe later in the podcast if I find it. I'm not sure where it's at. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, just as, excellent take from Hunter there. Um, and congratulations to CD Lamb on a fantastic um, season. And hopefully continue that production in the playoffs. Um, yeah, and so one of the things we wanted to get into as well with the shadow of the script is is when Dak Prescott guaranteed that he would have fewer than ten interceptions. And where did he finish at? What? Less than ten interceptions, nine interceptions to be specific. He threw that last tip ball um, against Washington, but he finished with thirty eight touchdowns. Nine interceptions over 4,500 yards with a over 69% nice completion nice. percentage. Um, just a fantastic year. It's, it's sad. It's sickening that, you know, a stat line that, like that, which is best in the league in pretty much all categories, won't win MVP. Um, but to say the less, he he overexceeded my expectations. He was phenomenal almost all year. Um, just an excellent season for me. Really shattering the script on what the narrative was him was with Dak Prescott going into 2023 after last year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and what, what's crazy about that is that um, I believe Dak Prescott didn't even make that comment. He was asked. Yes. Or, or, or a reporter asked him about it or, or said something in the, in the nature of that. And it got put out there that he said he wouldn't finish with, with 10 interceptions. And, you know, it's it's kind of like he did, what was it, four years ago where he came out and proved that he was a good to elite quarterback, whatever you want to say. And, you know, it's it's debunking the narrative that he had an interception problem, obviously. And I think Ryan or, or you um, sent out the stats, I don't know if it was a week ago or a couple weeks ago, um, that what are there, like six quarterbacks ever in NFL history that have a lower TD to interception rate than him. And it's like 1.4 or 1.5. Yeah, he's up and there. And so even with the the interceptions he had last year, he was still at like 1.6 or 7. So it, it's insane that that was considered a problem. Um, it, and it, it's just a, a, a lazy take, uh, a very at the time or recency take, and I'm glad that he played as well as he did. And at the same time, you said he he exceeded your expectations. Um, to me, he met the expectation because we've seen him do it before. Right. And and that's kind of my take on it is that, like, this isn't necessarily new from Dak Prescott. This is just different from an outlier that he had last year. And so that that's just my take on on debunking that narrative. Exactly. Shattering that script. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, well, now we'll transition into our two-minute drill presented to you by the medical guy, which is injury analysis and the DB list, otherwise known as the down bad list. Yeah. Um, so we hadn't we haven't had the DB list in um in some time. I think it's since around Christmas, just just before Christmas. So uh yeah. we've got a big update coming in there just in time for the playoffs and wildcard weekend, some very crucial injuries. The offensive line, um, to skill players, quarterbacks, whatever it may be. So let's hear it. Yeah, so let's get it started. Um, there were actually a lot more on the injury list um, that I 
anticipated, uh, but we'll get it started. We have Gabe Davis, questionable with a knee injury. Um, Amari Cooper, questionable with a heel injury. Miles Garrett, questionable with a uh, hamstring and a shoulder injury. Uh, an interesting one for the Cowboys, Tyler Smith, still questionable with that plantar fascia tear. Um, now, in my personal experience, I've never heard of like fully tearing it being better, but if you could think about it, I guess it kind of is because there's less tension at that area. However, to kind of explain it, it doesn't necessarily like feel good <laughs> per se, <Yeah. laughs> but it no. feels a little better than it just hanging on by a thread. Uh, Tony Pollard actually had this injury a couple years ago. Um, next, we have Sam Laporta, who's actually doubtful. I know we saw that uh, knee hyperextension, very similar to the one that Travis Kelsey had had at the very beginning of the year. Probably got a little bone contusion, bone bruise there in the knee. Like we talked about earlier in the year, what it causes is it causes a lot of uh, internal bleeding in that area, a lot of swelling, a lot of pain and discomfort and lack of range of motion. Um, so he'll probably get that knee drained, and it's very doubtful that he plays, and that's, that's a big one for the Detroit Lions. Next, A.J. Dillon is questionable with a stinger, uh, running back for the Packers. Uh, Romeo uh, Dobbs or Dubs, however you say his last name, questionable with a chest injury. Uh, Jalen Waddle, wide receiver for the, the Dolphins, has a high ankle sprain. He's been dealing with it last couple of weeks. Um, you know, with those fast guys, you know, and especially in that high-flying offense, um, that, that really plays to them really well and could, could really hurt, hurt that offense and hurt him even more if he tries to go out there and push it, depending on how he's feeling. Um, next, Xavier Howard, he has a foot injury. He's questionable uh, for that defense, for the Dolphins, who's already lost a ton of big weapons. Um, Raheem Mostert, the running back, questionable with an ankle injury. Now we move on to the Eagles, who had a – I mean, when they, they had a brutal game, but it seemed like uh, it, they made it worse. Like, yeah. it was a bad game. It was like, oh, it can't get worse than this. And then it was like, these three dudes get, get dinged up. Uh, we got Devontae Smith, questionable with a leg injury, lower leg injury. A.J. Brown was questionable with that knee injury. We all saw him get uh, – I think he caught, got carted off the field, but I'm not sure. Uh, and then we all saw the, the picture in the video of Jalen Hurts' uh, finger on his throwing hand. That's questionable. Uh, probably a little, uh, you know, a little uh, deformity there. Um, and they probably had to pop it back in place. Uh, hope, luckily, no fracture or anything like that. Just hope he's good to go by the game and he's not hindered any. Uh, and then last, we have T.J. Watt, which is this is what I'll go into with my video. He is uh, out with that knee injury, um, and so we'll get into it with this with this video. I'll share my screen. And so we'll get that going. So we have it slowed down, um, and if you watch uh, number 90 right there, it's kind of friendly fire on this on this play. So he goes up, and they're all going for the ball right here. Sorry, I had it slowed down, so it's yeah. going to take a second. But they're going to circle him, and you'll see him kind of come down, kind of that uh, valgus motion. So basically his knee goes in. Whoop. And so, yeah, it's not fun. And so what that's going to be, that's going to be an MCL injury. And so, you know, you have your ligaments of the knee. You have your, your ACL, your PCL. Uh, your LCL, which is your lateral ligament on the outside of your knee, your MCL is going to be that medial ligament on the inside of the knee. Um, and so 
the biggest thing with that is that it's one of the one of the stronger and harder ligaments to to injure right there um and so it's it's really really painful so you saw on the video uh during the game you know he was you know hitting the ground with his fist and stuff like that because it really it truly is painful i know his knee will be swelled up and i know for him to be like that and the injuries he's played through you know that really had to hurt him and the biggest thing is that that that's tough for that defense there because we know he's multiple defensive player of the year candidate you know big driver for that defense lead uh top three in sacks this year and so that's gonna be really tough with their next opponent coming up yeah um, so hopefully you know a quick quick recovery process and you know if they pull out a win maybe we'll get to see him in the next round but Usually those injuries, I think they, they graded it out as a grade two MCL sprain. Um, it's you, I mean, depending on the healing process, usually a four week thing at the minimum. Huh. Um, yeah. So hopefully it's not that long, but, but he is considered out for this game. So it's big time for that, that defense right there. Uh, but that wraps up the injury list. Now we move on to the infamous DB list. A and DB. I have three, um, I guess technically four. But we'll go from three to one. Uh, I have the Titans firing Mike Brabel. Uh, I think that's a terrible yep. move. Terrible move. Um, and, you know, the the dude just he, – he did so much with so little. I mean, it yeah. seemed like once they got going, like they got rid of A.J. Brown. You know, Burks hasn't worked out. Quarterback hasn't really worked out. I know Will Levis looks promising, but – I mean, it just felt like if there was one, if there were two stable things, it was obviously Derrick Henry and the coach. And I think that's a terrible decision. Next is Arthur Smith. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just an odd year with that with that team because he had yeah. so many weapons, so many things. Don't necessarily agree on the quarterback decision most of the time, um, but it's just the lack of use with those weapons and whatnot. Um, and it kind of stunk because he uh, got fired and the tweet came out at 1201 uh, a.m. after the game. So they didn't even <laughs> at least, you know, let him get a get a night's rest. And they didn't even give him know. the 24 hour rule, bro. Yeah, they, he was you know, out of there. <laughs> couldn't even get him like a 930 tweet. No, it was yeah. like 1201. You're gone. Um, second, plane. second on the DB list is the Star Wars saga. So we I know we talked about mm. a little off record. Um, but don't necessarily agree with the hiring. I it's kind of hope for the best, expect the worst, because we saw what happened when you know the previous uh producer and 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 stuff like that came in and made the last trilogy, which wasn't very good. And then you know, we move into this and they change it to something else, and it just doesn't seem like it's gonna go gonna go well. Hope for the best, expect the worst. Uh, and then lastly, um I know this video has been going around. Uh, it's very unfortunate. Um, but the video of the guy who jumped into the Bass Pro Tank. Oh, yeah. Shop, um, oh, my God. I don't know what he was strung out on. Um, but there's there's two things that he makes the DB list for. One, getting butt-ass naked and jumping into that tank. Two, um, he, was, he was not up to what you may consider average in the area of, yeah, in the area of the male organ. Um, not saying any of us are well endowed or anything of that, but 
you'd at least see mine from a camera. <laughs> and uh, man, he didn't uh, do white they, people very proud there. Yeah, he, you know they're and and none of the cops or security helped them out. I mean, a towel, a, a coat uh, for him, maybe a thimble, but something that would have helped him out. Yeah, maybe um, a camo jacket or something like that. Yeah, just anything. And then just they drug him out uh, out of there and you just saw everything. And unfortunately, we saw nothing and saw everything at the same time. So uh, just just not a good day for that guy. And, you know, just just ultimate DB list in multiple ways, man. Yeah, rumor is they they fished him out of the tank with one of the expensive rods and reels that they have set up in the store. <laughs> yeah, we're just gonna go with the water in the tank was about thirty degrees and yeah. uh, just just really didn't help him out. So yeah, yeah, we're gonna go with uh, negative thirty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he had a he had an any for sure. Um, but that that wraps up my two minute drill. Um, and I think we're gonna move into wild card weekend predictions. Want that? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have a very quick one, and it's um, if you haven't seen The Last of Us, um, the episode is it three or four, the one with the the two male partners. Um, oh, yeah. He 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 won an award for you know best guest appearance in a in a in a TV series or whatever it was, and there, there's a possibility that they might make a spinoff off yeah. of that episode. So uh, nice job, you're you're really good at, uh, at acting uh, <laughs> acting very um homosexual i guess is the the right term so you're really good at, almost too good at that so you want an award for being ultimate uh, actor oh yeah oh yeah yeah so okay all right enough funny business uh wild card weekend we got the nfc wild card the afc wild card we got some key matchups for you guys obviously the 49ers the nfc get the buy um and the ravens get the buy in the afc but we wanted to start off first Obviously, the second seed is the Dallas Cowboys, and they're playing the seventh seed, um, the nine and eight Green Bay Packers at AT&T Stadium. So we're going to go ahead and start our tracking the boys segment up front and then, you know, hit it heavy, hit it hard with some Dallas Cowboys content. Um, so without further ado, we got some predictions on this game. What do we feel like is going to happen in this one? I, I understand and I, I can get my initial thoughts on it. Um this is a tough one. This is exactly what I said. I kind of mentioned it on some on some social media sites about how the whole wild card setup is going to be popcorn. And I'll kind of give a layout here. You know, you've got the Cowboys and the Packers. That's an historical rivalry in the playoffs and in the regular season. Aaron Rodgers has gotten the best of us in the past. You know, they had the famous Ice Bowl years years prior, or I guess you could say decades prior. Uh, just a lot of history within this one. And we know how a Cowboys Packers game usually go. Even two years ago, I, I believe, or last year, we had fits with them against a struggling Packers team. Um, and so now we're playing this young Jordan Love quarterback who has over 30 plus touchdowns in basically his inaugural year, I guess you could call it. Um, and they've had a high powered offense the last five weeks. This is not going to be an easy game by any means. Then you move to the number three seed, the Detroit, the Detroit Lions versus um, the Los Angeles Rams. And this is one that, as I mentioned before in the previous podcast, is get your popcorn ready. It's the Lions' first time in a, hosting a home game in the last 30-plus years. Um, Jared Goff, who was traded away from the Rams, playing Matthew Stafford, who was trading, traded from the Lions to the Rams, and they're facing off one another, against one another. And obviously, if you're not aware of, Stafford, he was over there in Detroit for 10 plus years. 
they're big facing off. And then the one that intrigued me a lot was on the NFC side is, and I didn't know about this until I saw, um, you know, independent creator kind of post this and he said, last time Baker Mayfield made the playoffs with the Cleveland Browns, he played Ben, uh, ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers who went 11 and 0 um, in the regular season and then finished 12 and four had a bad wow. back end of the season. Then they play Baker plays them in the first round and crushes them 48 to 37 in this back and forth. And ben, big Ben was devastated. A lot of memes came out about him. <laughs> and then you move into this year, the Eagles started out 10 and one, one of the best hottest teams of football on paper. Um, according to critics, mainstream media, blah, blah, blah. And then they finished the year 11 and six. And who they play? Baker Mayfield and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So we've got this NFC slate, and I'll go into the AFC later. But this Dallas game is going to be very important. By any means, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. Like some people might say, oh, you know, Dallas should handle him. No. <laughs> if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, you should know that we have no idea what's going to happen in this game. At least I don't. Um, I have a I have a close prediction, but I really think if you're going to want to win this game, if you're the Dallas Cowboys. You have to you have to just feed CD Lamb until it until it breaks. Um, it, he, he's proved to be unstoppable against really any defense. The Packers defense has struggled all season long. Um, you get CD Lamb in motion pre-snap. You incorporate Ferguson over the middle to bring those safeties down, like I've been saying all year. And you just if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And then complement that. Use the pass to set up a run with Pollard getting about you know seventy percent of the snaps and split it with Dowdle getting about 30% in between the tackles. Um, but, yeah, what are your initial thoughts on this game, too? And I'll, I'll kind of add in I mean, as we go along. Yeah, so I have the uh, – for any of y'all that are betters or keep up with the spread or over-under, I have the Dallas there. They're marked at minus 7.5 Dallas. Over-under is 15.5. Okay, so they're expecting some points. Okay. Um, and to give Dallas a over a touchdown favorite – Kind of crazy, um, but see, I kind of have a, I, I have a little bit of a different take. I think that Dallas does win this handedly. Okay. Um, however, my my thoughts about it are, you can't go into this game conservative. I think right. Dallas is the better team. I know what it was. It uh, part of my take. They always do what's called a dude off or a guy off, right? And if you just line up and look at like position by position who's better i mean dallas is like world's better yeah offense yeah. defense and so yeah. i think you have to go into this being extremely aggressive on both sides of the ball um and like you said that means don't wait to feed cd lamb get it Ooh. to him yeah get it to him establish who you are early okay um and i think on the defensive side um be aggressive. You know, I know if you if you look at a lot of the Packers offense, it's a lot of deep throws. It's a lot of big plays. You know, the old Aaron Rodgers offense where it's play action and then you're hitting somebody on a on a post or a deep route. Right. It, it's very similar to that. And I think that works in the Cowboys' favor with the pass rush. Um, yeah. And I think that that's going to be the key to beating them is forcing uh, Jordan Love to be perfect and to make all of those throws. And I think you said it in the last podcast or the podcast before about, yes, Jordan Love's been very good. I'm not discrediting discrediting him at all. 
but their last five or six games, they you talk about popcorn. They yeah, yeah. faced a popcorn schedule, and they yeah, that was the animals. Yep. Oh, uh, Brian. And so it's been very similar to like the Lions, right? They've outscored everybody. And I know that sounds like, oh, we always have to outscore it. No, it's been shootout style games, right? You go look at multiple games, they're having to score 30 and win by three or 30 and win by five. And I think that works into the favor of the Cowboys either way, right? I agree. Because the Cowboys offense can take it to you real quick. And if you get in a shootout, and have to sit there and drop back, I think that favors the Cowboys really well. And so I my prediction is 31-17 Dallas. I think that they get after them pretty early, and it's going to be one of those very similar. I, I'm not comparing them to Washington, but very similar to Washington to where right before half and right, right after half is where it's like game flips like that. And yeah, so that's yeah. what I'm predicting and then letting that defense just absolutely get after the quarterback. Um, and then my big, like I said, my biggest takeaway is be aggressive and don't let this team hang around. Get after yeah. them early, get after them until the game yeah. ends. Right. So that that's kind of my take on it. What what do you got? Yeah, I think those are good points as well. And I and on paper, you know, we should do what we came to do. And we should be, we're on paper. We, we got so many more guys. We got all pros almost at every position you can argue. Um, I just know the Dallas Cowboys, <laughs> and I just know that no game is going to be close. I mean, yeah, we got a we had a, a fantastic wild card game last year against Tampa Bay, against Tom Brady, but nobody was expecting that. And that's exactly what a Cowboys game is. It's something that you're not expecting. Um, so, yeah, and but if, if we're going to go your route here, I think it's like what you're saying, like towards the end of the second half, towards the beginning of the third half, that's when Dak really starts to get in a rhythm. You know, he gets the ball back at half, but before the half, he gets that two-minute drill. And he just sits in shotgun. Here we go. Boom, boom, boom. Down the field, eight straight completions going into the second half. Gets him into a solid rhythm. You know, because I wanted to bring up some stats about uh, Dak Prescott here, about how effective he's been in targeting vertical routes. Um, so Dak Prescott completed in week 18, completed four of six passes, targeting vertical routes for 26 yards and three touchdowns. He threw 23 touchdowns passes, 23 touchdown passes targeting vertical routes this season, the most in a single season since Andrew Luck threw in 20 through 24 in 2018, which is an impressive number and an impressive name to be categorized by. So I think when you're when you're judging the Dallas Cowboys, you look at it as in Dak is the engine of this offense, which is what we've been saying for a long time. And I, I might sound biased. Yes, I am the Dak cycle, but if you really want to get cooking on offense, Dak's your guy and CD is, you know, the complement to your engine. And by, hell, by all means, you can get that ground game running after you set up the pass, um, which is, the, you know, your reverse psychology, the new metrics of today's game. That's just a plus. I mean, we would run all over them. Um, the question is, we get pressure on the defensive side of the ball, you know, with their lack of offensive line. I think you mentioned some injuries. Um, you know, we got a rookie quarterback. Can he get rattled under pressure facing the number one? Um, edge player in the NFL and Micah Parsons, which um, Marcus Mosher on Twitter with Locked On Cowboys said that if I'm Matt LaFleur, I'm telling the Green Bay Packers to hold, to hold Micah Parsons every play <laughs> because it's been since 11. week seven, over 50-something quarters since Micah Parsons has gotten a single holding penalty. Think yeah. about that. Imagine your best edge player, and there are pictures to prove it, and I'm not trying to be like a victim here. We still win anyway, but 
you know, when you look at it, you're like, how is the best defender in football who gets who has the highest pressure percentage? How has he not generated a holding call in over 10 weeks? It's just blasphemy. But I have a very closer, I have a different prediction. I have the, the Cowboys winning this game um 24 to 20. Uh, I think it's gonna be a closer one. I think, like you said, Dallas kind of starts kicking it into gear in the second half. And one of the things that scares me that I wanted to bring up, and this is credit to the analysts, that's his work title, it's kind of funny, um, the credit analyst, he sent some stats um, talking about what the, um, the the Dallas Cowboys run in terms of, you know, coverage. And here, I'll sh- I'm going to share my screen with this because this is pretty, pretty eye-opening and kind of tells you our scheme. Um, so here we go. This is from Twitter. Courses where I get all my news sources. But if you look at it here, you've got we run cover one almost more than anybody. It's we and this is what Ryan has been saying, the analyst has been saying for a long time. Is our, our scheme is a lot of man down and a lot of blitzes because we don't have to do too much stunts when you have Michael Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence, as you see on the bottom, if you're reading, uh, you know, he's Got he's playing great, especially for his age. And Osa and Dorrance Armstrong are picking up their part of the slacks. And of course, all green categories for Michael Parsons in terms of efficiency uh, and percentiles there. But zone is not the way to go if you're the Dallas Cowboys. But what scares me the most is if you're in cover one, you're you're playing a fearless quarterback in Jordan Love and some streakers, as in Jalen Reed, Christian Watson, those guys can um knock the top off of the defense. Anytime, so I would imagine some shots being taken um, by Jordan Love in this game. So it's going to be up to their, our our um, secondary. Uh, I'm sure Gilmore is going to be fine. I think they took him out for precautionary reasons. Um, but we got to be locked down. We got to be staying in phase. I like for us to play the ball, not the man, and that shit helps. But if we do that thing, I think we're going to lock down the Packers and we will we will advance to play our next opponent. Um, but yeah, those are some cool stats there. And um, credit to let me find who I credit here. Um, this is a new, new, uh, page. I actually haven't seen the summer sports, S U M E R sports on Twitter, summer sports. Um, so yeah, 2420 Dallas. Um, and so we'll get into our mamas. Don't let your Cowboys. What is your, what is your take here on the mamas? Don't let your Cowboys. Um, I mean, it, it, it's kind of what I said throughout my tracking with the boys. Don't let the Packers hang around in this game. Mamas don't let your, the Packers hang around in this game and don't be conservative. I mean, yeah. that that's where it seems like, life the too, cow- yeah. yeah, that's where, <laughs> that's where it seems like the Cowboys get themselves beat is when they really rein it in. They're like, Oh, let's, when they go into like, Hey, let's try not to make that mistake type game. Um, and I think there is a time and place for that, but I think that's more or less, you know, in, in past Cowboys teams, right? You run the ball to chew the clock. I think now with this Cowboys team, you know, you get up like they like they have been, and then you go into that like, hey, let's you know hit these short short routes. Right. Let's go intermediate to short routes and control the game that way. But more or less, mine is mamas don't let your Cowboys let the Packers hang around in this game. Yeah, and if we jump out early like that, that's a that's heyday for a pass rusher. You know, yeah. you know Jordan Love's going to drop back the pass easily get to him get some pressures in um yeah and so my my mamas don't let your cowboys is mamas don't let your cowboys disguise jordan love as aaron Rodgers. they are not the same yet 
But an impressive season, press an impressive season for Jordan Love. Let's end it this Sunday at 325. Um, let's do our jobs. Let's beat the teams that we're supposed to beat. Playing at home. We're on paper, we're juggernauts at home. Let's prove it, especially in a big atmosphere. Let's get, you know, Dak Prescott and this Cowboys team another shot in the divisional. Um, all right. And then I want to do a little Dak on track segment here. And this is kind of our overall analysis. We've been tracking Dak since the beginning of the season. And every week we've given him a letter grade and we pull up his passing charts and we've evaluated, you know, how did Prescott do this week? Oh, well, he struggled. Oh, he did good. And, you know, we've seen some exposure from the kid giving the, who is the Romo sapien as we call him. Um, and, you know, I guess a, a Dak, um, realization i guess realist realist yes a perfect word yes a dak realist and he's very down to earth with him he's giving him higher grades which we kind of joke about off record and jacob uh the the medical guy has given him the lowest grade um <laughs> in one of the in one of the episodes that we have so it's kind of funny that we have you know dak cycle giving him the lowest grade which we critique dak and then we have but anyway we wanted to average out the whole season and give dak a letter grade on his entire 17 weeks of football play. Um, of course, he played 17 games, had 38 touchdowns, nine interceptions, like I mentioned, over 4,500 yards, over 250 yards rushing and two rushing touchdowns. Um, and I have some stats here that was that just proved how efficient that he was under pressure, which I think really matters when as a quarterback. I mean, and not to mention his third down stats, which were – near first all year long. I mean, he was, we, me and Ryan talked about it, the analysts that he is a third down King. And here we go. You can see it. Um, you should be able to see it. So, okay. Dak Prescott was calm under pressure in 2022. This is from Brandon Lurie. 61.5 completion percentage first 1300 over 1300 yards passing first 73.5 PFF pass grade first 77.8 PFF offensive grade. Second, 8.3 yards per attempt. Second, 14 big-time throws. Tied second and 98.8 passer rating. Tied second. Those are all stats under pressure, according to PFF. That's amazing. And yeah. that, that's what you're looking for in a franchise quarterback. That's what you're looking for in an elite quarterback, a top 10 quarterback, a top 7, top 5, whatever you want to call them. Um, so what is your uh, your letter grade for Dak this season in 2023 to 2024? Well, I think it's pretty obvious. Um, I'm giving him an A. And, you know, you could go through every stat. You could go through, you know, EPA, CPOE, pressure uh, rating, everything like that. And I, really, I have one line and it's I give him an A and reason being using stats or eye test. He is what he is first to fifth in all statistical categories for a QB. And he's done this while also sitting out approximately seven quarters this Okay. And I don't think people take that into consideration a lot because there's, I mean, what is seven quarters? That's almost two games. Right. And so, yeah. I mean, it really just goes to show how well he did. And it also defeats the narrative about stat padding as well. And he's done it against good teams, bad teams, okay teams. Yes. He's had his blunders. Um, but really to have, I mean, if you look at, what 17 games he had two games where he was just not good right yeah and you know i just can't and i just can't see giving him anything below an a and so my grade for him is an a on the year yeah so i did 
<laughs> I went through every grade I gave him every week. I went through all my notes and was like, what grade I give him here? What grade I give him here? And I averaged him out. And what I got, now, you know me, I, I, I like to round it up as a number. Um, but what I got was that he was an A as well. It was my was my letter grade, but he was right at an eighty nine point nine in terms of uh, number grade, which I think is perfect for Dak Prescott. Yeah. But um, one of the things that I thought was awesome is, and, and I had it in my notes as well, is that there were really only truly game, truly only two games where Dak did not quote unquote show up, and that was at San Francisco and at Buffalo, um, and those were just you know neither side of the ball really showed up. Um, and it was just your, your goofs of the year. And you can argue the Arizona Cardinals as well. But you know, if you look back on that game and you remember watching it, the offense was moving the ball. We just didn't convert in the red zone. So the efficiency was there. It just didn't show up on the stat sheet, which life is more about stats than it is, you know, it's about the game. It's about the eye test. Um, he kept his interception promise and exceeded expectations for all fans and media. Um, and then Lamb and the Lamb and Dak connection was first in basically every category. I mean, that, that was probably the best duo we, we saw all year, arguably. I mean, you could argue also, you know, Tua and Tyree Kill, of course. Um, and then all year, like I mentioned before, you know, he was the engine to this offense. Um, and that goes into, I want to give credit to Mike McCarthy as well. And moving off of Kellen Moore and just being, creating this Texas Coast system, which I think is a perfect fit for his play style. Um, getting the ball off quick, working on footwork. Um, eliminating those hitch steps and really getting the ball in rhythm, in timing to your number one receiver. And, you know, Brandon Cooks, he, he was able to incorporate him for eight touchdowns this year. Um, Tolbert and Gallup got some wide receiver four action. Ferguson became a dominating factor at tight end this year. Had a big jump from last year. I expect bigger things in, in season three. So I give him an A, um, round, out about about, round out to about a 90 grade. So, all right. And now we'll move into some more, the rest of our NFC matchups. Um, so we got the, the Lions versus the Rams. And like I mentioned before, I kind of gave you all the rundown of how big this game could be in terms of popcorn. Um, all right. Lions 12 and 5. Rams are 10 and 7. Rams really flipped the script. When we played them, they they weren't as good. They were kind of unhealthy. And once they got Kyron Williams back, man, you know, really things really changed. They turned around for the Rams. Um, and credit to Sean McVay, their scheme has always kind of worked. But, you know, you get those white boys out at wide receiver, um, Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup, you know, Tyler Higby. Um, I think his name is Skoranek or something. Uh, one of the Tutu well, Atwell. Tutu Atwell. But then there's, there's another there's another white boy on that team yeah. as well. But, you know, shout out to the, and Kyron Williams. You know, I, I saw him with his, his, his helmet off. He might be white, too. He just might not know it. Um like the question is, can he say it? I don't know, but that's besides the point. <laughs> Look, my official prediction for this game, and I think this is going to be close no matter how you look at it. And it really is a toss of who's going to win because the Lions have shown that they've struggled against the Bears, they've struggled against the Lions. You know, they lost on Thanksgiving versus them. And, you know, uh, they got blown out by the Ravens. I don't really trust the Lions, and they're still crying about when they lost to Dallas because of an ineligible. Um, player downfield with uh, Decker, and they're still posting about it to this day, which I think is a, a complete victim in uh, mindset. It's pretty pathetic, and so they might be—we might be living rent-free in their heads into this matchup. I think they're looking too far ahead 
to play the Dallas Cowboys that they'll kind of struggle in this game. And that's just kind of a um, methodical standpoint there. But I do have the Lions winning this game 17 to 16. I think the Lions survive in a defensive battle between two franchise quarterbacks and the offensive schemes cancel one another, one another out in this game. You know, you got Ben Johnson and Sean McVay schemes. You know, Ben Johnson's a head coaching candidate. He's been an outstanding coordinator for the Lions. I think they'll contradict each other and you'll actually see the defense shine in this game, but I'm taking the Lions over the Ram- Lions defense over the Rams defense in this one in a very close one. Nice. Um, I have, you know, I have the the over under stuff like that. I, it, they have Detroit at minus three, uh, so the three point favorite over under 50 and a half. Um, and so, you know, they they expect some offense. And so I have two different predictions. And it depends on if Sam Laporta plays. If Laporta doesn't play, I have the Rams winning 24 to 1, uh, 24 to 21, sorry. Okay. And if Laporta plays, I have Detroit winning 28 to 24. Um, now, I will say this works in Detroit's favor because Detroit is an indoor team. Yep. Um, and if you look at have looked at their whole schedule, when they play indoors, they're a different team, similar to Dallas. And, um, yep. you know, I think I think the defense, I think the Rams defense have to do similar things to the Lions as the Cowboys did, where they've got to make Jared Goff uncomfortable. Um, I think when they got pressure up front, got in his face, it was much different. Okay. And you saw kind of at the end of the game when the Cowboys went in to put everybody on the goal line, he was able to, you know, zip it around everywhere. Um, but we also gotta like your popcorn point. This is a matchup yeah. between Stafford and Goff. And, you know, it, it is just funny how that worked out. And I think that's going to be a – I think it's going to be a really cool game to watch just if you look at the history of it. Um, but I, I – for some reason, and I've said it before on the podcast, and now that the Rams are healthy, they're good enough to beat bad teams and sneak one out but they're also not they're also bad enough to lose to good teams. And so I think that still holds true to this day. Um but those are kind of my predictions with that game. Uh I think Laporta is really a, I mean he's a three-point player uh in in scoring uh, swing and score and so three to four point player. And so I think if he's out plus I think Brock Wright was a little uh was injured uh, the last couple weeks of the season, he's still dealing with a little bit of injury, so it'll be interesting what they have going on at tight end. Um, so if Laporta's in, uh, if Laporta's out, I have Rams winning 24 to 21. If Laporta's in, I have Detroit <laughs> winning 28 to 24. Yeah, yeah, good prediction. I hate to hate on the fan base because you know, Brock Wright's my guy, he's one, yeah. of my, one of the guys I'd love to have on this podcast to talk to from his, his perspective, being behind you know, a guy like Sam Laporta. Um, so Brock Wright, we hope to have you on soon. Um, yeah. and you can bash me all you want about, you know, the Detroit Lions. I, I would accept it. I'd love it. Um, okay. Moving on to the number four seed versus the number five seed. You got the Bucks hosting the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, the Eagles have had their struggles. Buccaneers, you know, they scrapped by. They were, you know, at the second half of the season, they were the better team in the AFC South, and this it was a trash division. I really don't think any of those teams are just – you can look at them and go, okay, yeah, none of them are going to make the Super Bowl. But – one of them is going to make the playoffs, I guess. Um, we got the Buccaneers, and I, I think that was the best of the four, obviously, excluding the Carolina Panthers. But uh, in this game, I 
I don't know if AJ Brown, like the Eagles got beat up, man. I mean, in their last game versus the, the Giants, they didn't look good either. They're going into this game, I would argue, with negative momentum. I mean, it is been yeah. atrocious the way that they finished the season. There's there's talks of firing Nick Sirianni. The loss of their coordinators has been devastating. Um, you know, Hertz is struggling. I've heard he had a dis- dislocated finger on his throwing arm. Um, and so yeah, if I had if 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 there is no AJ Brown, um and Sirianni, you know, rumors of him being done in Philadelphia, Hurts having this off year. I think Baker controls this game with a one-possession lead. They'll get out in front. He's very, very good with a lead, um, most like any quarterback. But that's Baker's identity. You know, get Rashad White, uh, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and those kind of guys in rhythm. Their defense for the Tampa Bay has been playing pretty well all season. Um, I, I trust the Tampa Bay defense over Philadelphia, who Philadelphia defense has kind of been atrocious all year, um, especially in the in the later half of the year. I've got the Bucks winning this game in a close one, um, 23 to 21, advancing to the next round and ending the Philadelphia uh, Eagles season, a lot like Baker did against the Pittsburgh Steelers um, when he was still in Cleveland. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, you have a lot of the same points as, as I do. Um, However, Philly is favored by three points in this. Over-under is 43.5, so a little lower than the other games we were talking about. Um, but a lot of the same points. I mean, Philadelphia, Philadelphia's injuries from last week um, look like they may come back to haunt them. Um, you know, you said Philadelphia is going in with negative <laughs> momentum, negative energy. Uh, I have written down Philadelphia has, has somehow just turned into a bad team, it seems like. Um and, you know, in the beginning of the season, the offense um, was kind of carrying the team. Defense was struggling. Right now, the offense can't really get it going. And the defense is what it is. And they took another injury to one of their safeties um, yeah. on Philadelphia. And that, that doesn't help them whatsoever. At all. Um, and so it, it really is going to be tough. And and like you said, I have a I have, on my notes, I have this is going to be a day full of uh, uh, Baker Mayfield. Mike Evans and, and Chris Godwin, I think, just lighten it up. Um, and, you know, I really don't see this turn out too well for the for the Eagles. I don't think their defense is going to be able to contain them. Um, I do agree with you. I think it's going to be a one-score game. However, I think it's going to be Tampa Bay 24, Eagles 17. And okay. I think, um, you know, it's going to be like that. And I think Philadelphia is going to have a chance to win it at the end or going to have a chance to tie it at the end, have like a last-minute drive. And I just don't think it's going to work out for them. It just doesn't look like, like you said, they don't have any momentum. They don't have any rhythm going forward into this matchup. So I think it's going to be if they if if Philadelphia can pull this off and get hot again, they could be scared. But yeah. how it's looked in the past six weeks, they just look like a totally different team. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Okay, that wraps up NFC matchups, and we'll move. Okay, we're going to move into our heave of the week, and this is CJ Stroud and Nico Collins. But before we get oh, in the heave yeah. of the week. I have a little new segment that I wanted to incorporate. Um, since fantasy football season is over, there are no more Rooks looks. So I decided, me being the Dak disciple, and I've been doing this like once a month, I would say on on Twitter, is I would I am adapting a a Bible verse into <laughs> Dak Prescott and Dallas Cowboys terms, because as the Dak disciple is an adaptation of the word disciple. Um, so. Dacalations chapter 8, verse 4. Remember not the former things, nor consider the turnovers of old. 
Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now the scheme springs forth from the west. Did you not perceive it? I will make way in the bay that is green and the lamb will flourish abundantly in this city. So basically, amen, amen. 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 <laughs> the Dax Cycle bringing it to you. And that is an adaptation of Isaiah 43, 18 through <laughs> 19. Um, but basically to kind of break that down as a pastor would, basically the beginning said, remember not the former things, not, nor consider the turnovers of old. Meaning, forget the interceptions of 2022. Dak guaranteed its discontinuance, just as a Messiah would. Um, and in this, in his new scheme with new with new players, he is thriving. And fans and critics doubted his success in that second part of the verse. And then moving on, he said he is coming for Green Green Bay in round one at home in the city, and will use Lamb to combat them. And then, of course, all of this shatters the script. So that is your Dakulations chapter eight. Verse four, chapter eight, meaning season eight, verse four, meaning he's number four. Um, and then, of course, you've got your heave of the week. And that is. <laughs> Have you posted that yet? Uh, no, it, it will be posted once. the what? Yeah. Once the podcast opens up uh, to everybody, this will be it'll be posted. So tomorrow. Um, but here we go. DJ Stroud um to nico collins and this was the first play of the game versus indianapolis in week 18 this is a nuke yes it was a nuke all right so you can see i feel like i'm bringing out the inner analyst here all right looks to be a looks to be a zone coverage here the houston texas nine to seven versus the indianapolis colts at nine and seven as well it's a win and end game on january 6th we're surprised that Dalton Schultz is out on the field today. Woke boy, as they call him, lined up on the top of your screen in the tight end formation. He, Stroud snaps the ball. He thanks Jesus for his service, collects his feet, shuffles up, and he! Nico Chico oh, Collins. Hey, Chacho, Houston. What's up, man? Hey, Nico Collins scores a touchdown off the rip in the first possession. First play for Houston Texans, and C.J. Stroud means business. And what an absolute dot right there. What an absolute dot. Exactly. Uh, great heave of the week, CJ Stroud. And congrats on an incredible season. A former Christ follower. Um, I am not. Former. I am not. Uh, 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 oh, a, uh, a current current, current uh, Christ follower. I'm sorry. Um, so shout out to CJ Stroud on an incredible season. Houston, your city is thriving. And, you know, a little conspiracy theory here. Uh-oh. The Super Bowl logo has changed and is now red and blue. Texans Cowboys Super Bowl. Just Uh-oh. kidding. Oh, God. But let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Okay. <laughs> let's move on to the AFC matchups. Okay. We're going to start off with the, the number two seed Bills versus the number seventh seed Buffalo. Or, I'm sorry. Uh, number seventh seed um, Pittsburgh Steelers. Ah, uh, gosh. Okay. For this game, man, um, this is scrappy. When I know TJ Watts got that injury. Yeah. Um, looming for him, which could which could mean a lot. Um, obviously, the Ravens get the bye. And the Bills, me and the analysts predicted correctly that the Bills would win versus Miami, giving them the number two seed, which is a big change in this AFC lineup. But let's give the yeah. rundown here. We got – and this kind of gets popcorn as well besides this game in Buffalo. I mean, no one cares yeah. about the Steelers. Um, they really shouldn't be in the playoffs thanks to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, but we've got – the Chiefs versus the Dolphins. I think this one's important as well if you're looking for popcorn because this is Tyreek Hill's return to Arrowhead in Mahomes' city, his former team. 
you know, grab your popcorn. It's a playoff game. First time that the Dolphins have played, you know, the, the Kansas City in the playoffs um, with Tyreek Hill. This is also the first time that Mahomes has not earned a first round bye or a home playoff game in his career, which could, you know, precede some negative events. And then, of course, you got the Browns versus the Texans um, as well. This Saturday, Texans hosting a playoff game in Houston. If Deshaun Watson wasn't hurt, you would have had Deshaun Watson playing against his former team in Houston versus the new of new age CJ Stroud. That's popcorn. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, back to, back to his massage parlors in uh, in Houston versus a Christ following quarterback representing the new team. So yeah, I mean, big popcorn stuff in the AFC as well. Um, but yeah, to get to the the Bills versus the Steelers, um, I like I said before, the Steelers do not belong here. Um, but I think they'll give Josh Allen some fits in round one because. You know, Josh Allen's had the struggles with turnovers all year. You know, he might start off very anxious like he did in the Miami game, just kind of making some silly mistakes, which is why I have written in my notes that this is going to be kind of a scrappy and ugly game. But I have uh, – <laughs> I have Exactly uh, what I have written down. <laughs> yeah, scrappy, ugly game. And what's funny is every Steelers game that I've done, especially like those AFC rivalries in that division, the AFC North, you know, I always said it's going to be, it's going to be a, little, a little dicey. I used other words, um, but <laughs> – um, I had in this game that the Buffalo Bills are still going to triumph in this one. Um, and it won't be close, but it'll be like, man, what in the hell are both these teams doing? And I've got the Bills winning this game 26 to 17, moving on to the next round. What do you got? Nice. So, uh, Buffalo is a 10 point favorite. So, minus 10 Buffalo over under is 36 and a half. So, you can imagine, you know, it's they're not even predicting it to be a high scoring game at all. Um, but I have same things as you. I have this is going to be an ugly game. Um, the TJ Watt injury uh, definitely affects how this game is going to go, especially from the defensive side for Pittsburgh and offensive for uh, Buffalo. Um, I have if Josh Allen doesn't turn the ball over and make those just just kind of out of pocket mistakes that he he's done throughout this year and his career, I think this is an easy game for Buffalo. Um, and on the Pittsburgh side, there's two things I think that would really help them is force Josh Allen to try to play hero ball yeah. and to shut down James Cook. Um, I think those are two things. If you've seen in the past, you know, since they changed offensive coordinator, offensive coordinator for the Bills has really incorporated James Cook, not only in running, but in the past game. Um, and so I think he's obviously you've got digs as well. But with Gabe, uh, to Gabe Davis dinged up, you know, you've kind of got – that eliminates one weapon at least to where you can focus on one or two. And you still have the de- the definite, uh, definitely good tight end duo at Knox and uh, Dalton Kincaid. And so it's definitely not easy looking at the weapon standpoint, but I think with Gabe Davis gone, it might help a little bit. Biggest thing is going to be try to make Josh Allen like – make try to make that just unreal play and then shutting cooks down um and then the Steelers just try to have some type of positivity on offense I don't think it's going to be very easy for them at all but you know Mason Rudolph has been swinging it um and you know just getting those two weapons on the outside Johnson um and then George Pickens incorporated often and early 
um, really helps that offense out a lot. But I am predicting Buffalo wins this game 24-13. to 13. There you go. Yep. All right, so Bills advance according to track. Okay. <laughs> Chiefs versus Dolphins, 11-6 and six for both teams. This is the, the number three seed versus the number six seed. The Chiefs are hosting an arrowhead, like I mentioned before. Um, look, I mentioned it, that, that Mahomes could have some um, negative circumstances happen in this game. Seems like they've been cursed ever since Kelsey has been dating Taylor Swift. Um, <laughs> this is the first time he's going to play. Um, yeah, he's playing at home. Um, but this is a game that I think the most high-powered offense in the NFL on paper is just it's just going to trump uh, the Chiefs because the Chiefs have had their offensive struggles all year. Their receivers have had struggled catching the ball. Kelsey's production has lowered because – you know, they know he's their primary weapon. He's their only weapon. Pacheco and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Jerry McKinnon, that's a good little trio of running backs there. I think the run game could really complement and control this game in a low-scoring environment. And I have a low-scoring prediction as well. Yeah, um, I think McKinnon's out. I think he's yeah. on IR. Yeah, and, and even if, you know, with the the remaining two, it's just I don't know if it's enough to, to, to outperform A-chain um, and Mostert and Jeff Wilson, their running game and their scheme is just – it's a little dynamic. I wouldn't want to doubt Andy Reid with his playoff experience because Mike Medina has only had one playoff game without a starting quarterback. This will be his first playoff game where he actually had Tua in the game. So this is this is going to be an interesting one. But I've got the Dolphins winning this game 16-14 to 14 in a, in a low-scoring battle. Um, a lot of times these primetime games, Tua does not really light it up in mm-hmm. terms of – the scoreboard it's usually, usually those noon windowed games you're just like oh my god the Dolphins scored 60 points you know this is playoff atmosphere I think it's going to be enough to defeat the Chiefs uh and Mahomes will get his first ever playoff exit and you know there'll be cries for help for Mahomes you know all offseason saying that he needs more weapons which he one billion percent yeah. does <laughs> um yeah. and this isn't a knock on Mahomes at all I, I really do think that a man can only do so much and he's had his his struggles with the refs. He's had his struggles with the team, um, with drops. So uh, I think a, an offseason to get the, that offense patched up could do him some work. But, yeah, Dolphins advance. Nice. Um, so we got uh, Kansas City as a four-point favorite. Over-under is 43-and-a-half. So they're also expecting – if you were to look at these two teams last year, you'd expect a totally different over-under. But the over-under is 43-and-a-half. Um I kind of go in a different way than you. I think Miami's injuries, especially on the defensive side, um, have taken a toll on them. And it just shows, especially on defense, and then with Jalen Waddle out, that or Jalen Waddle dinged up, that they're just kind of – they can get kind of clunky and out of rhythm on offense because uh, they really – yes, they rush very good, but when they pass, they kind of go it's, – it's Tyree Kill or nothing, it seems like. Um, and so at the same time, that loss to Buffalo for Miami really screwed them up in the seedings because now they have to go to Kansas City and play a bad weather game. I think they, the report's already out that the wind chill, the expected wind chill in Kansas City is supposed to be like negative 10. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> it's going to be real interesting to see how Tua plays going That's from another Miami thing too. Yep. to Kansas City. Um, and 
I, I don't know if you listen to this podcast, but I've been listening to this podcast called Greenlight uh, with Chris Long and um, his brother and a couple other of his friends. Um, and he talks about Tua, and I never really thought about it until I started watching and, and listening to that, is that Tua is a very one-read quarterback and not taking anything away from him because he's still a good quarterback. But when he gets into that second read, he gets very panicky, panicky, panicky. And then later on in the game, as we've seen throughout the year, is he'll kind of say, F it, Tyreek's down there, let's get him the ball. And then throw just to like, you're like, like in the Ravens game specifically, you know, it was like an F it, throw it to Tyreek. And there's five Ravens right there. And it's like that throw, like, <laughs> wasn't even close to being there. Um, yeah. So it seems like he has a real problem checking the ball checking the ball down and taking the more conservative play. Um, but I think, I think uh, Kansas city defense is really well. And it's going to do a really good job at doing that. Um, but I have Kansas city doing just enough to win, but this win is going to look kind of gross. Um, you're going to be like, Ugh, how'd they win that? And then, yeah. uh, and then, you know, Patrick Mahomes will probably make this crazy run as he always does. Um, but I have Kansas city 24, uh, Miami 21. Yeah. All right. You gotcha. Okay. Um, Browns versus Texans. Um, Texans are hosting the Browns in Houston. Look, I, 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 this, for this game, I, I just, I've, I've gone back and forth. I really cannot decide a winner in this game. I think this is going to be the closest matchup in terms of, um, teams on paper. You know, the Browns defense, obviously top three, Flacco's been playing out of his mind since he came back, you know, as a, as a game manager, as a veteran, as, you know, a perfect implementation into this offense with incredible defense. Um, CJ Stroud has had an incredible year. When he's in, you know, things change, especially with Nico um, and his young weapons that he has out there. You know, Dalton Schultz has been a serviceable guy for Houston as well. Ever since they made the switch from Damian Pierce to Singletary, their run game has changed. And I really can't, decide on who's a winner i mean texans if i'm the texans the last time they played amari cooper went for 250 plus yards on <laughs> or whatever it was and i know that uh davis mills was a starting quarterback in that game so cj Stroud has not faced this defense yet which kind of worried i think case keenum actually started that and then they had to bring davis mills in yeah yes i mean it, it was like uh, it was a scrappy one because you didn't know who yeah, it's like it, yeah it's just a brutal game it's a brutal matchup um but you know thing about Stroud that gives me confidence, though, is that under duress, like when he's playing from behind in close games, I've seen a lot of his, you know, noon slot games. He plays very well um, and very efficiently from behind. Um, and if you keep this close, I think Houston has a really good chance of winning um, their first their first playoff game in, you know, in a while. And, you know, I. I I literally have a score, and it could be either one. But I have yeah. the Texans winning this game twenty-three to twenty-one. But it could easily be the Browns twenty-three to twenty-one. But yeah, I, I just gut feeling. Um, I just I think the Flacco magic might end in Houston. I think they got the better of him the first time, but I think D'Amico Ryan's is a coach that has that has been here before and knows the way to success with the 49ers, especially defensively, and he gets the win here. It's just my gut feeling, but yeah. Hey, disclaimer, disclaimer: the Browns are really freaking good. Yeah. Um, so I have Cleveland. They're two and a half point favorite. The over under is forty four and a half, which I thought was kind of high. Um, but you know, I'm going to listen to Vegas on this. Uh, but just some of my some of my notes here. You know, 
yes, Joe Flacco has been playing uh, over the expectations as much as you could say. However, he does have a turnover problem. Um, I think he has like 13 touchdowns to eight interceptions on the year. Um, so that that part kind of scares me for the Browns is that his defense has really been like obviously he's been doing enough to win games, but like you're not doing that unless you're you're not throwing two picks a game if your defense isn't just like bailing you out. Um, yeah. So I kind of agree with you. I think Joe and uh, it was a stat a couple of weeks ago that the Texans um, had like the highest percent of turnover rate uh, when playing like subpar considered subpar quarterbacks. Um, <laughs> and so I'm, I'm expecting this to be one of those. He might have a couple of turnovers and whatnot. So, um, but to agree with you, CJ Stroud, this is a CJ Stroud. You've got to carry this team. I don't yeah. think they're going to be able to run the ball very well. I think they're going to try to lock down Nico Collins as best as they can. So I've written down that the secondary weapons of the Texans need to show up, whether it be Dalton Schultz, whether it be John Mechie, whether it be Robert Woods, whoever. Um, I think they're going to have to carry some of the load um, as well and maybe getting Devin Singletary involved in a lot of the pass game. But I agree with you. And this is kind of a shout out to the Texans, man. I mean, they honestly could have coach of the year, rookie of the offensive player of the year, um, rookie of the year, defensive player of the year, uh, rookie defensive player of the year. And like I've said for a while now, you know, if, if CJ Stroud stayed healthy all year, he could equally be equally be in debate for MVP. Um yeah, because I mean you looked at how they how the, the team looked when he's not at the helm. And they're a different team. Like they're the team, literally the team from last year without him at quarterback. Yeah. Um, and so I think he's got to play perfect to win this game. And I think he can. And so that leads me into my prediction. I have Houston winning this game 27 to 24. There you go. Damn. <laughs> yeah. No, I think we have. I think we matched on all of them, right? Uh, yeah. Except Chiefs. Miami and Chiefs. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> yeah. There we go. That that'll be. Hopefully, we're right. Um, and I <laughs> again, I I've been taking some chances on some predictions, especially you know I don't really bank on rookie quarterbacks winning their first ever playoff game. Um, yeah. but you know Stroud hasn't been playing like a rookie. He really has been playing like a veteran. Um, his comp coming into the league was Dak Prescott, ironically. Um, so it's going to be an it's, it's going to be a fun one. I think this is one of the, the more game, the more, uh, one of the, the playoff games that I'm interested in watching. God, I sound like, get, 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 get. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is going to be an exciting wild card weekend. Um, so if these predictions were come to fruition, it would provide the following matchups for the following week, which I'm like already eager to predict, but you got in the NFC divisional round, the number one seed 49ers take on the number four seed Buccaneers in the Bay. And then you got the number two seed Cowboys taking on the number three seed, depending on, you know, who's right. But uh, let's say Laporta plays um, taking on the lions in Jerry world. And then in the AFC divisional, you've got the number one seed Ravens taking on. If you take in my route, the dolphins in crimeville, as I call it in Baltimore, or the number one Ravens versus the, the, the number three seed Chiefs. Oh, no, actually, it would switch. It would switch. It would go number one Ravens versus number four Texans and the number two Bills versus the number three uh, Chiefs. Um, but if you take my route, it's Ravens, Dolphins, and then in the next divisional, 
Number two, Bills versus the number four, Texans at Bills Mafia. So some interesting stuff, some uh, really, a really, really exciting divisional. I like those matchups. It brings out popcorn. Um, yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, let's move into our track rankings. Um, and this is our top three sports moments from 2023. And there are two, there are multiple different ways you can go with this track ranking. I mean, you could, we could go comedy here. I, I was, I was toting the line between comedy and, and uh, being real. Um, so I, I chose the real route. Um, I have, I have one comedy. You're yeah, like I it. thought about it. I thought about it. I might throw one in there as we go along, but medical guy, let's start with your gold and we'll work towards um, platinum then to diamond and we'll switch off in between per usual <laughs> so my first one is actually an honorable mention i'm taking a page out of yours and the analyst book um and this is my comedy one take it how you may um but honorable mention if you want to consider it sports or not but uh the usa trading britney griner for war <laughs> criminal and then britney griner taking what a, almost a year off of professional basketball and then oh coming God. back into the WNBA and absolutely just dominating <laughs> and putting up like career stats. Um, oh take it as a knock as you want, but I think it's <laughs> kind of crazy that a person could take 10 months off of like training, you know, nutrition, whatever you want to say, be in a prison in another country and then come back and absolutely dominate their sport. <laughs> and so take it as you may, but that's my honorable mention. I thought that was a funny one. Um, for all you listeners, we'll get serious after this one, but my honorable mention one is the USA trading Brittany Griner uh, or trading a war criminal for Brittany Griner and getting her back to the WNBA where she belongs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. Okay. My honorable mention, and this one was funny in my opinion, because – Aaron Rodgers has been a headline oh, all year long. And it's not right. the Aaron Rodgers headline you're thinking of. My favorite was when he went into, and this might've been last year. It might've been the year before. <laughs> um, my favorite is when he went to that dark house <laughs> and, and, and sat and sat in darkness for four or five days to contemplate whether or not, yes, it was last year because he was yeah. debating on uh, joining the jets or going back to green Bay. Yeah, he was like was, 90% retired or something. Yeah, like he was like, I think I'm going to retire, you know, and but let me let me sit in darkness for five, six, you know, hours. it's kind of like, hey, you know, I'm going to bash a video game that I've never played before. And it's like, yeah. all right. So I've never tried a darkness retreat before in my life. <laughs> so it could it, it probably worked really, really well for him in terms of <laughs> mental aspect. But I thought it was hilarious. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it stole headlines. People are like, I wonder what he's thinking about. Like, oh my God, he's in this in the dark for a whole weekend or whatever. And he comes basically out, you know, almost like Jesus was coming out of the tomb and was like, <laughs> Jets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay. Let's um, hold the Jets and the Packers hostage and see what happens. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, he raised his hands out and the media was there taking pictures of him. He was like, Behold, I am a New York Jet. And they're like, <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, there's the headline. He's in New York Jet. We had to wait five freaking days for him to announce that. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Awesome. Thanks for stealing the headlines. Um, but uh, yeah, there's still a war in Israel. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Gold breaking. All right. My gold. And some people might think this is a contradictory take, but I'm going to give it. Uh, the Texas Rangers winning the World Series. Oh, um, me nice. being an Astros fan, um, it hurt. Yes. Yeah. 
However, Texas Rangers, if there was any team to be my second favorite, I'm going to cheer for the state of Texas. Texas Rangers, it was cool. That's their first one in their uh, history of their franchise. Um, and it was it was kind of cool how they did it. Um, and I guess kind of nerve-wracking how they did it, how they gave up the, the division lead and then came mm-hmm. back all the way mm-hmm. around to win it and whatnot. And how we talked about back back when – you know, early days of the pod about like if the Rangers could figure out just even how to be okay in their bullpen, they'd be a really good team. And they turned it on in the playoffs and had two or three arms that figured out how to pitch and um, in the bullpen and ended up getting a dub, winning the World Series. And it was it was just super cool to watch. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. I appreciate you putting that one in there. (laughs) (laughs) All right. My gold ranking was the Texas A&M Aggies fire Jimbo Fisher. <laughs> this is one of my favorites from last year. You know, me and the kid have been talking about it off record. Um, just uh, the pro style offense, all the quarterbacks that have come through, just the disappointments of going seven and five, eight and four all year long, not beating the teams we're supposed to beat. Um, and just all quarterbacks going in there, you know, I'm taking control of this offense. Every one of them just looking hella robotic. Um, I, I just, I couldn't stand it anymore. And, you know, now we got the new, the new head coach from, uh, from Duke and I'm excited for what's, what's to come. Hopefully we can actually get a, a quarterback move. The Duke transfer, the Duke uh, quarterback that was playing really well before he got injured might transfer to A&M, you know, who sees the transfer portal is crazy. NIL yeah. for Texas A&M could influence some decisions. Um, but yeah, I mean, this, this was a positive sign for Texas A&M in my opinion. I love when the athletic director came out and basically laid it down and said, yo, you know, when you're in the, the far left lane on the highway and the du- the dudes in front of you is in the in the passing lanes going 65 and you're pressing them 75 and you want to go faster, you want to go further, you want to go um, farther, you know, all that kind of stuff, and they won't move. And that A&M was that car going 65 miles an hour with Jimbo yeah. Fisher. I thought that was legendary and a, a perfect take for those Texans who are in your Dodge Rams with your LED lights flashing the shit out of somebody. Yeah. Uh, right on their rear and you're just trying to get to where you need to go so yeah, yeah. um all right that's a good one nice um i'll go into my platinum and this might be a little out of the norm but uh <laughs> all three <laughs> yeah i have the lsu iowa uh ncaa women's basketball championship um i'm not gonna lie i didn't watch the women's national championship that much before, yeah. but you know, you saw uh, it was Angela Reese and Caitlin Clark, and I thought that matchup and that that whole playoff system on the women's side was so much more entertaining than the yeah. guys' side. I mean, you had two, you know, I guess polarizing figures for both teams, you know, being dominant and literally it seemed like best on best, and you know the different antics, you know the waving by or whatever to a team and then you know pointing at their ring finger and whatnot with like six minutes left in the game i thought i mean i feel like that yeah i feel like that's what more sports need is to get people more engaged and i thought that one was i thought that one was huge for uh you know especially women's basketball and women's sports going forward and it was cool to see like how great those talents were and seeing you know even this year seeing both those players still show out and seeing Caitlin Clark hitting like, you know, 45 foot three pointers and yeah. just like holding it up and whatnot. I think that was super cool. 
Um, and so that's my platinum ranking from this plat this past year. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and I, no, I was gonna say <laughs> I was gonna say that 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 whole series or that whole game was like a damn on social media it was like a damn race war. You're like, yeah. uh, it's like no, no, this was just entertaining. You know, it yeah, was, it was super fun. Yeah, it was like, fun. It was you, you know you got a sparky figure on on the LSU side, and then you got a you know uh, a very um, I guess you could say. I mean, uh, Caitlin Clark did the same thing for Iowa. I mean, yeah. she's over here like hitting a go ahead three and like throwing up the deuce sign to the bench. It's like they're yeah. doing the same thing yeah. to each other. Yeah, exactly. And I enjoy. I actually did watch it, and you know, I, I will say side story. My mom is a is a high school basketball coach. So I've always enjoyed when I was in high school going to watch all our games and then when they made the state championship. It's very entertaining stuff. Yeah, if if you're into it from like a community standpoint. Um, and so you kind of felt like you were part of a community there and you're like, oh, like, you know, screw the men's basketball. That's just basketball. You know, we, we've seen that before. Caitlin Clark's hitting 60 foot three pointers. Yeah. And Angela Reese is out here, you know, spinning, doing uh, uh, Kareem Elijah stuff. And it's like, OK, yeah, this is entertaining, actually. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, OK, uh, my platinum is Jimmy Johnson being inducted into the Dallas Cowboys Ring of Honor. I think. This really broke the curse. This might have broke the curse for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, this is one of the ones in the list where it's like, why haven't we done it yet? I mean, he yeah. is, you know, by far one of the most, vibe, you know, just vibrating personalities on television. He's been in, on Fox for a while. He was already inducted to the Hall of Fame. You got the gold jacket, um, putting tears in Troy Aikman's eyes, which was very emotional to see that live. Um um, I had a buddy, a very close friend that was at the game. The, the stadium was just going absolutely bananas when he said, how about them Cowboys? Very nostalgic. Um, you know, I understand we haven't won anything since that time, but, you know, I didn't live during that time as well. But the the echoes and the whispers of the 90s was crazy. We ran the 90s and yeah. and Jimmy Johnson was a huge reason because of that. So shout shout out to Jimmy Johnson being inducted into the Dallas Cowboys Ring of Honor. Jerry Jones, you finally did it. Yeah, just Get rid of Rowdy and we're good to go. Um, yeah. No, that was a good one. I definitely should have put that on mine. I completely <laughs> forgot about it. I guess because since it was so close to the yeah, we were year, digging in the past. Yeah, like, I didn't oh, even man. think about it. Last um, January. <laughs> yeah, and then my diamond one is going to hurt your heart, but uh, the Jose Altuve three-run home run in that matchup, and oh, yeah. just like growing up an Astros fan. And you understand it being a Rangers fan, too, because, you know, there was a time and point where they were terrible. Yeah. And you have, like, your certain players that were there when they were bad. Well, Jose yeah. Altuve was that. And to see how good he is and how great he's been in the in the postseason and whatnot, and just to see him do it time and time again, and then him do it there. And I, I specifically remember you, like, texting us be like, oh, this shit's over. <laughs> he did it again. This freaking guy. And I'm this like, dude, he can't miss. Yeah. It's just like, like he hit that and it was like, they're cheating again. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was <laughs> angry, bro. Yeah, dude. And oh. like, just watching that, you were just like, like every Rangers fan was like, just this guy, not this guy, anybody yeah. else. But, and it was like, he's a guy. Yeah. Sure enough, two people on Jose Altuve up. The bullpen that had been good for so long in the playoffs. And I mean, they made one mistake and then reverted back to being good again. But it was just like that moment, how you felt about like, oh, it's over, that I felt the opposite and was like, all right, 
it's on now. Like we're taking this. And then obviously, you know, we lost, but I thought that was just seeing that playoff run and, you know, how the Astros did the opposite of the Rangers, where they snuck in and then did what they needed to do. And just seeing all that and then seeing Altuve do that to kind of break the Rangers hearts for a game, you know, it was just, it was fun. And seeing that player do what he has been doing for years now, it's always fun when he does something like that. Absolutely. And my diamond goes hand in hand with that. Yeah, I know what your diamond is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My diamond is um, the Texas Rangers beating Houston in the ALCS and winning the World Series and getting their first ever um, World Series ring in franchise history. Um, it was this the first time my team has won anything in my lifetime. So, you know, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, from AM, the Dallas Cowboys, uh, the Texas Rangers. You know, there ain't a lot of championship winners. Um, I used to be a Spurs fan. Um, I just don't really – I don't buy into the too much of the NBA anymore, but they won some yeah. championships, and I was, like, barely even paying attention. Like, I didn't know what was going on. So I was yeah. like, yeah, whatever. And, <laughs> and so – but, yeah, like, in in that moment when, when Altuve hit that bomb, I was I was furious. I was, yeah. I, was I said some things on text <laughs> that, 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 um, that I was just, like – I regret, I really regret it. And I was, I was calling him, you know, a midget and you know, that he was cheating and all this kind of stuff. And it was kind of trolling at the same time, but I literally felt like the meme from breaking bad where he's like, he can't keep getting away from this. Yeah. <laughs> he can't keep getting away. And, and it was cause he, he could not miss a ball. Every pitch we threw to him, it was whack. And I'm like, I, I can't stand it anymore. Strike this dude out, hit him in the kneecaps, do something like, charge the mound, you know, somebody bring a bat, you know, something, get this guy out of there. And, you know, in, in all in, in, in respect of the game, because baseball is a game of failure. Altuve was by far the most entertaining from a baseball standpoint, an entertaining figure for Houston. Um, on the flip side of that, Adolis Garcia and Corey yeah. Seager, those guys were worth the money. You know, Marcus Simeon, he didn't play very good in the Houston series, but he picked it up in the world series. But just those guys, you know, it was it was truly electric. It really was. And to yeah. see at, at this age, of course, the first year that we had their inaugural year of our podcast and having them win was highly entertaining, you know, especially when we were in the ALCS. We're like, both our teams are in. Let's talk yeah. about it. And and it's a very rare occurrence. You're not going to see a lot of maybe you will, but you're not going to see a lot of Houston versus Texas Rangers. ALCS matchups to get to the World Series. That's a rare occurrence. Yeah. And so I knew it was for all the marbles, which is why it was so intense. And then, of course, you know, thank God that Arizona did their did their job against Philadelphia. I think the series <laughs> would have gone longer, but it was kind of a cakewalk in the World Series. But the yeah. real World Series was that ALCS. Yeah. And that's like, like I've said to a lot of people, like Texas, the Texas Rangers and the Astros being good at the same time is so good for not only Texas, but baseball, like you don't have many in-state rivals in the same division and them being good. Like, it's just going to be, as long as they're still good for years to come, like it's going to be fun to watch and it's going to be a competitive division. And, you know, we're going to have these banters back and forth about all that. And hopefully we do get a bunch of ALCS matchups and, and, you know, the world series running through Texas. And that would be, that would just be super cool. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And I think both teams will still be good for a couple of years to come. Yeah. Um, now let's hope at least. Yeah. All right. 
Not the most boring game of our timeline. I'm not. I don't want to be like the the Eeyore of the group. But I mean, this national championship. We're going to cover the national championship. This is the number one Michigan Wolverines versus the number two Washington Huskies. Uh, Michigan comes out on top of this one, 34 to 13. I thought it, we had some different takes in this one. Um, I, I think I put it in the outline. Yeah. Um, uh, do you have the scores up? I have. Uh, yeah. I have, oh, we have the Rook uh, predicted. Mm-hmm. 28 to 23 Michigan win. Uh, the analyst predicted Michigan 35, Washington 21. And then I predicted Washington 34, Michigan 28. Yeah. So then so I, I was had, wrong. Yeah. So I had the kid, the kid also um, had a prediction in there. So he had 34, 21 Michigan, which he was actually the closest, yeah, closest. out of everybody. Um, and he doesn't really watch a lot of college football. Um, and he's so invested into NFL. And so me and him were like, I guess we're just we're gonna sit down and watch this game, you know. And I love college football. It's just, you know, I was I was it was a game that I was like, man, you know, Michigan's offensive line is, I mean, they were duoing the crap out of people to quote the analysts. Yeah. I mean, their offensive line was working in this game. You know, Don, I think his name is Donovan Edwards, number seven, the running back for Michigan. Um, you know, played fantastically on the ground. Uh, uh, Corum, their running back as well, um, who's going to be an NFL running back for sure. Um, you know, is he thrived. McCart- McCarty only threw like uh, completed 10 passes yeah. in this game. It was, it was just, uh, it, yeah, there were, there were opportunities for Washington to get back in this game a lot of times, but yeah. they just never could do it. It was oh, interception. Oh, fumble. Oh, 70 yard run by the Michigan Wolverines. And he was back to two score ball game. Um, and it was close, you know, 13 to 20 momentum started the swing. Washington's defense kind of settled in and it just, after that, it was, it just wasn't the most entertaining national championship. I got to yeah. be honest. And I'm disappointed in that. But congratulations to, you know, Jim Harbaugh. Um, you know, after all the scandals, after all the the cheating thing, and I don't know if they're true or not, but, uh, you know, hey, undefeated is not easy to do in the in, yeah. in college football. Yeah. And like you said, congrats to Michigan. Congrats to Jim Harbaugh. I thought it was super cool that, like, John Harbaugh made the trip and, like, yeah. And that, I think that's uh, genuine from like Jim Harbaugh to like his brother walks up, he's coaching in the middle of the sidelines and he like takes his yeah. headset off and like hugs him. It's like, you know, some coaches are get way in, I don't want to say way into it because that's their job and that's what they're there for, obviously. But like to just take a moment of like realism and, and, and just being completely genuine and being like, dude, my brother's here. Like he's about to play a, a playoff yeah. game. And he comes to the sideline, gives him a big old bear hug, you know, talks to him for a second, and then he gets back to business. I thought that was super cool. Um, but to get into the game a little bit, you know, my prediction was based off what Michael Penix did to the is- University of Texas defense, which wasn't a bad defense. And Michael Penix made them look like a bad defense. Yeah. But at the same time, we could look at that game against Texas, and Michael Penix made every throw. And so – Honestly, if he played 80% of that game, I think this is a much different – I don't say Washington wins, but I'd say it's a it's a much closer game um, because there was five or six throws where Penix was just not there. And, yeah. I mean, like wide open throws and reads and whatnot. Um, I, also saw, I also said multiple times in the, in the group that, yeah. you know, I know that the running back was a senior, wanted to play – but that dude was literally, he was hurt, very hurt, and was hurting his team. 
because yeah. he could not – his biggest I thing agree. is that he's great in pass pro. He couldn't move. And so you've got offensive linemen or defensive linemen, linebackers, whatever, just barreling at you, and he can't sidestep either way. So Penix, right, yeah. who's not a runner, was running around for his life, trying to escape everything and whatnot. And, you know, you could go – there's been so many videos put out about missed penalties and whatnot. I don't think it really matters. Like I don't think like it does you said, um, Michigan controlled that game up front from start to absolute finish. Um, And I have a note that Michigan should have ended this game earlier, but it seemed like they did whatever they could to let them hang around. I don't know why the ball didn't get handed off left and right for majority of the game. Um, And, you know, they, you know, the, the old saying about like, uh, you know, having that one part of a group member that doesn't do anything, but still gets an A that's kind of how (laughs) JJ McCarthy seemed to me. Yeah. Um, because he didn't have to do anything. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, it was just kind of a, it was cool for about a half. And then it was like, dude, this game sucks. <laughs> well, it reminded me. Yeah. It reminded me of like, there was a meme on Twitter. It was a bunch of ants carrying a bagel. <laughs> saw that. Yeah. <laughs> and there was one, there was one, there was one ant, ant on the big ass ant on the top, just kind of looking at everything. There were, and somebody replied and said, that's JJ McCarty. And, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I thought that was hilarious, but you know, one of the things I did not know about Michael Penix Jr. And, and just kudos to him because, you know, especially, you know, for what you cover in injury analysis, yeah. you know, he's had four season ending injuries yeah. in his career, which is, I mean, think about that. That is insane. And, you know, I, I did not know that coming into this game. And he's out there, you know, battling. I think he got banged up because he got stepped on to the ankle. Um, yeah. Faced a lot of pressure in this game. There's a lot of resiliency with Michael Penix Jr. Um, and one of my favorite things about lefty quarterbacks is, you know, is one, yeah, yeah they are frowned upon, especially in professional football. You know, it's very rare that you see a lot of lefty quarterbacks. Um, but like they do with Tua in the NFL, like they did with Vic is they'll mirror the screen. Yeah. And when you mirror the screen, you watch Penix throw a football, you're like, hot damn. That is a, a sick release. It's yeah. It's got zip on it. Because from a lefty perspective, you know, and me, myself, I am left-handed just, I guess, for public announcement. You know, <laughs> it, it doesn't look like you have as much velocity as a right-handed yeah. thrower when you're throwing on television. It just doesn't. But then when you translate it to baseball, you're like, oh, it's the most valuable position, yeah. you'd argue, is a yeah. left-handed pitcher. It, yeah, everybody, everybody has a as a kid, and they're like, "All right, put that ball in his left hand. Put that bat on the exactly. left side, left Which side it, of the plate." Yeah. It's like, yeah, we're not. Don't we're tying his right hand behind his back. He's left handed till he's six. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I need to make a shirt that says "Switch hit, don't switch genders." But oh god, I'm just. <laughs> uh, but I can <laughs> <find it. laughs> yeah. cancel, cancel. Podcast has now been over. Yeah, but um. Anyway, I, that would probably make a lot of money with conservative. I'd probably just send it to the Hodge twins or something. No. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah I do, awesome. I do agree about the resiliency and whatnot. And I think he, uh, he's come out and said like that's why he stopped like being such a mobile quarterback. Because if you look at a lot of stats from the games all year, like you're like, damn, they're scoring a lot of points, like yada yada, and it, it's like Michael Penix has like two rushes for negative one yards or something. Like he, he stopped, he stopped running the ball due right. to injuries. And I think that gives more props to him that you could like uh, damn near eliminate a part of your game and still be as good as he, as he is. Um, and then 
you know, you talk about mirroring the the arm action and the throws and whatnot. And yeah, when you mirror it, it looks like a laser. And I just want to know who they're going to do a comp of them again uh, against. Because, you know, everybody, the easy one is, you know, Tua. Yeah, but like, really, that's a lazy one, yeah. But like, really, crazy. when you flip it and just growing up and watching like Texas quarterbacks, he seems to have more of like a three quarter like yeah. slot. And one quarterback I can remember throwing like that, and he kind of got dinged for it, was Vince Young. Now, obviously, he doesn't run like Vince Young did. But, like, when Vince Young came into the league, that's what he got knocked for was he threw it kind of a sidearm motion. And they said, like, oh, it's going to get batted on all the time and yada, yada. And then he won Rookie of the Year's first year. And so yeah. that's that's all I could see when they flipped the image is that, Wow, it's kind of it's kind of like out there. It's not your normal like yeah. you know, all shoulder everything. Non traditional, but it was very it's very cool to see that. And yeah, when it when they flip it to a right handed side, like it's like a missile. Yeah, yeah, and he's <laughs> pelting it, and then and he's got a very it's very loose, it's very free, it's very um, instinctive, you know. And yeah. and I appreciate that from a from a left handed standpoint too. Just like. Um, I, I had a lot of fun watching him in his highlights most of the year. And, you know, he's got some dogs at receivers, too, that, that oh, are going to make it yeah. in the NFL. We know um, the, the Pulp kid is from Lufkin. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, he's from Lufkin, Texas. Good Shout out. Lufkin. The next is Bryant. Yeah, yeah, good old Lufkin Panther, baby. Yeah, the good old Lufkin Panthers. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, congratulations once again to the Michigan Wolverines on winning the national championship. And I guess we will see college football back late next August or this upcoming August, um, yeah. which is going to be interesting <laughs> to think about, but um, hell of a college football season. Yeah. Um, we'll see how the new schedule plays out. Obviously you got, you know, A&M and um, Texas in line to play the final game of the season, which will be, it, they're already sold out. I'm pretty sure. I mean, yeah. I think the cheapest nosebleed seat right now is like over 300 bucks. Yeah. Left um, like a bunch of communists. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm going to try and watch that one virtually, but, He's All right. right. Well, this has been track 30, the NFC East champions. Uh, we shattered the script for you guys in a lot of moments. We'll get your popcorn ready for the AFC and NFC wild card weekend. We got some incredible matchups. Hopefully we end up being right in a lot of our predictions. Um, you know, the college football season has come to an end, but we still got a little bit of football left and we got some exciting stuff for you guys in season two of the track pod, which we're going to have some really fun changes. And I keep hyping up. We're, we're making a plan. And we're excited to implement them, you know, come, you know, late February, early March. And the announcements of that will be on our Instagram and Twitter. Um, but, yeah, so you can find us on below um, at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube primarily. Um, if you want to watch us um, instead of listen, obviously YouTube and Spotify are your way to go. But if you just want to listen, you know, Apple Podcasts is the best platform um, for that. If you're just solely looking for that, just a quick little play and you can always mark as played if you don't want to listen to us, but just give us that play button, please. <laughs> um, but yeah, like subscribe, follow, download the, download this episode, share it with your friends, share it on Instagram. Um, any, any of your guy fellows or even girl fellows that, you know, that enjoy sports and enjoy, uh, the mainstream media being absolutely shattered every week. Um, you know, that this is your podcast for it. So, we want to thank you guys for an awesome 2023 once again. And, you know, we've had great contributors on our on our side. And so sooner or later, or sooner rather than later, like I said, late February, early March, we will be having some the kid back in office and we are ready to rumble. So chat of the script. We will see you all next Wednesday. How about them Cowboys? Go Cowboys. And we'll see if they pull off the win.
We'll see y'all next Wednesday.